Well, good morning, everybody. My name's David. Great to be here with you as we open God's Word. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your Word, uh, your Word of truth. Uh, Father, we pray that you would uh, sanctify us by your Word, uh, that you would change us, uh, you would transform us uh, into the people that you have called us to be as we look upon the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. And we pray, do this work in us by the power of your Spirit uh, at work in us now. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, first, uh, I have a confession to make to you. Um, sometimes I go to the movies by myself. Does anyone else do that? Just come on, let's just have a time to go, yes! Oh, great, friends. We'll have a meeting outside after I talk about <laughs> why we do that. Um, I think there's an age you get to where it's just okay, like you just don't mind. You just go watch a movie. Um, and I only do it, I do it all the time. I just do it for the blockbusters, the epics uh, that Sammy refuses to go to. Um, you know, uh, the last one was uh, Avengers Endgame, of course. Um, but I made the mistake with this one because I went and saw it without seeing the other 22 movies uh, that lead up to this one. I just went and saw, like, the last one. Um, so you can imagine, I was lost. I really didn't know what was going on. Evan's shaking his head, he knows. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, like, there was this moment, uh, it seemed to be quite a big moment. Captain America, like, catches a hammer. I had no idea what was going on. Like, people in the theatre cheered. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, maybe you don't know either, and that's okay. Um, but it would have been great if, you know, someone was there with me, uh, and every time something happened, they would just pause the movie and say, let me explain why that just happened. Uh, of course, that didn't happen. Um, but maybe you can see the link here today with today's passage as well. Right, today we come to the end game of John's Gospel, Jesus' death on the cross. Right? It is what everything has been leading up to, and not just John's Gospel, but the entire Bible has been leading up to this point. And so, like me at the movies, if you're reading this and feeling a little bit lost, um, that's okay. Um, there's a lot going on behind the scenes here. But thankfully, uh, we have someone uh, who knows the backstory, uh, John, uh, who wrote this. Uh, he's watched all the movies. Uh, he, he knows what's going on. He's like the guy with the pause button. Uh, he can pause it and explain what is going on. Uh, and wonderfully, uh, he does that uh, as we go through at some points. And so John is concerned uh, not just to show us what happened, not just to give us this story of Jesus on the cross, uh, but to explain why it is happening as well. And so today we're going to be looking at John 19, just two sections of a long chapter. Uh, here is your king, as Jesus is sentenced to be crucified, and it is finished as Jesus dies upon the cross. And the big idea I think John wants us to see is that uh, Jesus is God's king who sacrificed himself according to God's plan of salvation. Jesus is God's king sacrificed himself according to God's plan of salvation. And that is something that we can be uh, sure of, absolutely sure of. Right, so last week uh, we saw Jesus uh, was betrayed by Judas. He was arrested by that mob. Uh, he was, began to be on trial and Peter, his number one disciple, denied him. Uh, and now we see him standing before Pilate, right, the Roman governor of Judea, uh, as Rome, of course, at this time was the world power, uh, and they were ruling over the Jewish people. And of course, Caesar, the Caesar was the sovereign king of the known world. 
Uh, but here we see uh, Jesus. Uh, here is your king. So here's a bit of the backstory, right? Um, the Jews were waiting for a king of their own, uh, a king from the line of David. God had promised them he would come. Uh, he would conquer the world. He would establish God's everlasting kingdom. Uh, he would be called the Messiah, uh, which is God's anointed or God's chosen one. And of course, Christ is the Greek translation of that word Messiah. Uh, so they mean the same thing. Basically talking about the king, God's king. And John has told us through this gospel, Jesus is that king. Uh, John the Baptist said it at the, early on in the gospel. He said, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. And of course, he was sent ahead of Jesus. And then Jesus proved it himself uh, throughout the gospel, throughout his life, through these miraculous signs. And when the people saw them, they asked, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? And of course, the answer is no. Uh, the signs that Jesus did point to him being God's promised king. But of course, we see that Jesus was an unexpected king. You know, they were expecting this kind of, you know, military leader, uh, conquering the world. And what they got was this gentle and poor carpenter from Nazareth, of all places. So, of course, the Jewish leaders, uh, they don't believe that this, this could be the Messiah. There's no way. Instead, he is a pretender deserving of death. And so that's why uh, he is here now on trial before Pilate. And, of course, if, if you're watching this trial, just imagine, uh, it looks like they are right. This doesn't look like God's king at all, right? He's being, he's being sort of tossed between the Romans and the Jewish leaders. You know, he, he's bound and handcuffed. He's been beaten. He's bloodied. Uh, they've made a mock crown and a robe for him. Uh, this does not look like God's king at all. But John, as he writes, uh, he wants to assure us that despite how things look, this is God's king and this is God's plan. So we see that as uh, Pilate and Jesus have this exchange, um, Jesus like refusing to answer him. Uh, and so Pilate says, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realise I have power either to free you or to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Right, pretty clear. Uh, in other words, God is sovereign over Pilate and all his power. God is sovereign over all people. God is in control of this whole situation. And later on, you know, wonderfully, Peter, uh, as he looks back upon this moment, uh, he sums up what was going on for us. This is in the book of Acts, and this is Peter telling us what's going on. Uh, he said, For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. You know, so God's sovereignty, it's not like God is, is kind of this master chess player where he's just responding to the moves of people really well uh, or he's just a few moves ahead of everyone else. No, no, God's sovereignty means that God owns the chessboard and all the pieces, uh, that he does everything. 
It is all part of his sovereign will and plan. And so we can know that despite how things look at this point, Jesus is God's king, this is God's plan. And so Pilate, we see, even admits that Jesus is king. In verse 14, he says, brings out Jesus and says, here is your king. And of course, he's, he's saying more than he knows. Uh, but what he's doing is he's actually telling the truth. He's presenting the king of the Jews to the Jews and everyone else and says, this is your king. And what do they say? Uh, they say, crucify him. And Pilate's like, just to be clear, shall I crucify your king? And then the truth comes out. They say, we have no king but Caesar. And so they reject Jesus as their king. And as we reflect upon this, we should, we should know it's not just them who reject Jesus as king, but we all do this. Right? We are all part of a common humanity that rejects Jesus. You know, because the whole human race is represented here in the crowd. Right? There's the Jews and the Gentiles. And that just means everybody in the world is here represented rejecting Jesus. You see, all of us are created by God. We are creatures created in his image. And what we see here is those creatures rejecting their creator. And we do that because of our sinful nature. Uh, we don't want Jesus as king over our lives, telling us what to do. Uh, we, want to, we want to take the crown off his head, put it on our own. Uh, but of course, it, it does not fit very well. And so as we, as we look upon this crowd and Jesus, uh, we should see our own faces in the crowd. We should hear our own voices crying out, crucify him. And I don't know how you feel about that, but for me, uh, that cuts me to the heart uh, to think about how my sin would rather crucify Jesus uh, than follow him. But at the same time, we know this is exactly why Jesus came. Because he loved this world. He loved those people. He loves us who reject him. He came to save us from the judgment that we deserved for turning our backs on him. So now we turn to a wonderful part. It is finished. So Jesus, he actually gets sentenced to be crucified. The crowd wins out. Pilate gives in. And we fast forward to Jesus' final moments on the cross in verses 28 to 37. And here, you know, John does that thing where he's going to pause what's happening for us to explain what is going on. And he's saying to us, look, what's happening here? Scripture is actually being fulfilled. Uh, and it is finished. He wants us to know that. And that is, you know, parts of the Bible written long before Jesus, hundreds of years, are predicting uh, his sufferings and the things that were going on here. Uh, that's all being played out. And God is telling us ahead of time uh, so that we would believe him when it happens. You know, it's like the, you know, you've heard of the test of a prophet in the Bible. Right? How do you know if a prophet is telling the truth? Well, it's simple. It's if what they say comes true. Uh, that's how you know if they tell the truth. Uh, and that is what we see happening here as Jesus dies upon the cross. And so we see Jesus fulfilling scripture in verse 28. Um, it says there, verse 28, later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. 
The soldiers then give him like a wine vinegar drink. uh, And in that action, they're fulfilling what is written in Psalm 69, which says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. All right, so David wrote that psalm uh, years before. Uh, It was written about uh, the suffering Messiah. And now Jesus, he's fulfilling that scripture, but not just that one single verse uh, of scripture, uh, but in this he is representing how he is completing the whole thing, uh, how all of scripture is being fulfilled in him and what he's doing. And so when he received this drink, that's why he said, it is finished. Or in other words, uh, it is accomplished. Right? Jesus, he'd, he'd finished the work the Father had given him to do. Right? He'd fulfilled every promise of Scripture. Right? In, in, this, in this moment here, he was accomplishing God's plan of salvation fully and finally. And you might think, oh, hang on a minute, other things still have to happen, you know, like the resurrection and, and his return and things like that. But what's happening here is, is because of the perfection of Jesus' life uh, and his death and who he is, right, those things that are in the future are already guaranteed as good as done. Uh, every promise in Scripture finds its yes or its fulfilment in Jesus. Now, you can think of Jesus' death uh, kind of like winning the grand final, okay? Um, you know, you, you win all the games, you're the winner, you get the trophy, it's done, right? No one can take that away from you, right? Unless there's some salary cap scandal or something. No one is taking that trophy away from you. And, you know, the resurrection and the things that have been promised, you know, they're kind of like the grand final parade. You know, that is guaranteed on the back of what has already happened, right? Jesus has died, uh, fulfilling every promise, guaranteeing everything uh, that he said, and we can be sure of that. You know, so things like the Holy Spirit, uh, the forgiveness of sin, eternal life, all those things are guaranteed in what Jesus has already done for us. Uh, So it is finished, uh, now, that is a, for me, that is just a soul-satisfying truth. Right? That, is the, that is the kind of truth that means you can lay your head down on the pillow at night and, and no matter what has happened, no matter what you are going through, uh, you can rest in peace uh, because you know that your future is secure and guaranteed all because of what Jesus has done for you. And that is a soul-satisfying truth. That is something for us to, to cling to. Uh, and know really well. Uh, but Jesus dies, uh, and, and next we see the soldiers fulfilling some scripture, even. We'll have a look at this. Um, so Jesus died on Friday, the Good Friday, and the next day was the Sabbath, like the Saturday, and the Jews didn't want the bodies on the cross for the Sabbath. And so they ask Pilate, you know, break the legs so they'll actually die quicker and we can get them off the cross. Um, And when they come to Jesus to do this, uh, they find that he's already dead. And so instead of breaking his legs, they pierce him, you know, with a spear or something, uh, and the blood and the water flows out, uh, showing us that he was truly dead. Jesus had died. But what John does here is he pauses, right? He pauses the movie uh, to tell us what is going on. What does this mean? So he says, uh, verse 36, These things happened 
so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And as another scripture says, they will look on the one that they have pierced. Uh, so firstly, not one of his bones being broken is from Exodus 12.46. And it's speaking about uh, the Passover lamb. Uh, you don't break the bones of the Passover lamb. Uh, that is the lamb that was sacrificed uh, to spare Israel from the judgment of God in the Exodus. Uh, talking about that one, uh, Exodus 12.46. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. So John is showing us here that Jesus uh, has fulfilled that. He is our true Passover lamb. You know, as John the Baptist said, you know, early in the gospel, he said that Jesus is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that's what Jesus is doing on the cross. Uh, the second scripture is from Zechariah chapter 12 and that is the one that says they will look on the one they have pierced. And in Zechariah, what it's talking about there is that uh, God is the one who has been pierced. Right? And when the people realise what they have done to their God, uh, there is sadness and there is mourning over the way that they have treated him. You know, and this, this kind of made me think about, these two scriptures made me think about Good Friday. You know, every year, uh, if you come to the Good Friday service, we remember Jesus' death on that day. And I used to come sort of thinking, what's the mood of this day? Right? Are we, are we, are we sad or are we happy? Right? Is it meant to be a day of mourning or is it a day of rejoicing? And I think the answer is that it's both. Right? There's sadness as we think about the cross uh, because it shows us the ugliness of our sin. It shows us that we are the kind of people uh, that would reject our ruler and our creator and would rather rule our own lives. And we see that in the cross. And so there is sadness there and mourning over our sin. Uh, but also, it is, it is a happy day because we see the glory of our Saviour. Uh, we see the one who came to die for our sin, our King, Right, who finished that work, uh, so it is, it is done. Right, we see his love for us. Uh, we see him making us right with God. And so it is also uh, quite a happy day and a day of rejoicing. And it's, it's both things. Uh, it's, it's like a broken-hearted joy that we have when we look upon Jesus. And I think that's what, that is what John is showing us here. Uh, as he shows us what happened, uh, he's showing us Jesus on the cross uh, but he also wants to know why those things happened. He wants us to know Jesus is God's king and he was sacrificed to accomplish God's plan of salvation. Uh, but so finally, there's, there's one more step in this and that is, what do we do now? Uh, why are we being told these things? And, and the answer is, uh, we're being told so that we might believe. Right? John is telling us so that you also may believe. Let's have a look at verse 35 and we see, uh, we know John is writing for people, that's why he's written this gospel uh, and this is what he wants them to do. He talks about himself and he says, uh, the man who saw it has given testimony and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth and he testifies so that you also may believe. So John's telling us, you know, he's saying, I'm an, I'm an eyewitness to these things. I saw Jesus on the cross. I saw the spear go into his side. I saw the blood and the water. I saw all these things. 
and I'm writing about them so you can read them, so you can believe as well. And, And believing is important because believing is how you receive all the benefits that Jesus won for you on the cross. Right, believing is how you join in the grand final parade, how you become a part of that with King Jesus. It's how you receive the forgiveness of sins, the Holy Spirit, eternal life. Right, it is how we, how we know and enjoy God now and forever. Uh, it's by believing. And so we must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But John, he, kind of, he writes in such a way that you know, he doesn't just expect us just to simply believe, if I can put it that way. Uh, but he writes so that we can be absolutely sure of these things that we believe. Uh, hopefully, if you've been reading John, you'll see that John just loves to talk about, you know, real people uh, and real places and real times in history. Uh, he loves to highlight the sovereignty of God and just his complete control over everything. He keeps telling us about how God is fulfilling Scripture, how this is the plan. And he shows us, best of all, the Lord Jesus. He shows us God who became man. He's writing about all these things so that we can be absolutely sure of the things that we believe. And it's almost like he's giving us just an abundance of evidence just to persuade us that, yes, Jesus is real. We can believe in him. And we can stake our lives upon him. And so the response that we should have is, is to, we should be reading this word, uh, believing in Jesus, and keep doing that so that you might grow in your assurance of the things that you believe. And one way, that, a great way to do that is, is to get to know the backstory a little bit more. Okay, if I can take you back to, to Endgame and um, you know, being lost as I watched it, a little while back, we got Disney Plus, you know, the, the streaming, for the kids, of course, you know, Pixar, all that, for the kids. But also, uh, of course, had the entire back catalogue of Marvel movies, 22 of them. Took me ages to get through, by the way. Um, but as I watched it, uh, all the stuff I'd seen in Endgame began to make sense. I understood things. Right? When, when I finally got around to watching, you know, Endgame again... You know, I knew why Captain America caught the hammer. You know, I, I knew what was going on. And we can do that with the Bible. Uh, and it's a great way to grow in the assurance of the things that we believe. You know, I read the Bible almost every day. I try to every day, get up with a coffee. And every day I am amazed at how it all fits together. Uh, as you're reading different parts of Scripture and you see how they come together Uh, It really grows my assurance of the reality of God uh, and the reality of his salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, It it really grows that assurance. And so I don't know where you are at in your faith uh, and in your kind of Bible reading habits, uh, but a a great book um, that I read that we encourage a lot of people to read to really help get into this space is God's Big Picture by Vaughan Roberts. A great book to get. It traces the storyline of the Bible really simply, helps explain how the different parts fit together, uh, but most importantly, how they all come together and are fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if you haven't read that, you know, I encourage you to go and buy it and read it. We have a few copies here that you can borrow. Um, But read that. More importantly, read your Bible as well. 
uh, and see the amazing things that God has done in his word. Uh, See how Jesus is that king uh, who sacrificed himself uh, to fulfill God's plan of salvation and it is finished. Uh, Grow in a wonderful assurance of that. Uh, Be sure to receive all those benefits by believing in him. Uh, But more than that, uh, begin to experience the joy and the peace it is uh, to know God through Jesus Christ. Uh, Let's pray now, uh, giving thanks to God and asking him to do that work in us. Uh, Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, uh, that we can know the truth about you. And though we grieve over our sin uh, and our rejection of you, uh, we rejoice in your love, that you would send your son and that, Jesus, you would die for us. And we thank you that you have done everything needed to save us for eternity and for the assurance that we can have that we are saved and loved by you. Father, by your Holy Spirit, uh, we pray that you would grow us in the assurance of faith as we read your word so that we might glorify you as we depend upon you and your finished work in Christ. And we pray this in his mighty name. Amen. Amen.